It is always a good time to avoid the hustle and bustle at the grocery store, not to mention the crowds. HelloFresh delivers everything you need to get dinner on the table directly to your door, contact-free. Go to HelloFresh.com FilmCast12 and use code FilmCast12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. My name is David Chen, and I think Blood Icicles are a totally legitimate tournament weapon. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. I guess it's time for a mortal podcast! <laughs> Joining us also... Test like, your mics! <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Is this going to keep going, or is that, no, no. Is that it? I was, I was waiting for, like, background music, but you failed me, so... Oh, okay. We're going to do on. it again? Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Devendra Hardwar. I guess it's time for a mortal podcast. Test your mics. Okay. That rendition was just off enough to avoid copyright claims. So good job, Dave. Thank you. Joining us also, she is the co-host of the Extra Hot Great podcast and the Listen to Sassy podcast, Tara Ariano. Friendship. <laughs> Joining us also, she uh, he is the co-host of the Someone Should Make This Podcast and senior visual designer at the Academy Award-winning studio Respawn Entertainment, Danish Syed. Danish? I am entering A-B-A-C-A-B-B on my Genesis as we speak. Nice. Excellent. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast, everyone. That incredibly protracted introduction was, of course, uh, featuring many references to the movie that we will be reviewing today on this podcast. That movie is Mortal Kombat, which is streaming right now on HBO Max. You can find more episodes of the podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. We're going to talk about some Oscars with you tonight. Reflect, react to that, what happened last night at the Oscars or a few nights ago as you're listening to this. And then move into some what we've been watching. So that is the show for the After Dark, which is available exclusively over at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. You will hear our thoughts on The Falcon and the Winter Soldier season one uh so that's what we got on tap for the slash filmcast and the after dark this week so before we proceed uh of course folks will have noticed that uh, uh despite the awesome roster of people on the podcast tonight uh jeff canada is not here this evening and i wanted to just share some information about what's going on with him uh, with his permission Last week, uh, Jeff's daughter was diagnosed with a rare medical condition known as PDCD, and he's in the process of dealing with that information right now, and it just didn't feel right for him to be on the podcast tonight with us making fun of the Oscars. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we here on the show love him. We are thinking of him. We want him to take all the time he needs to process this information to take care of his family. One thing I want to emphasize about something like this is that when it's a rare condition uh, like this, it's often a journey. You know, we often like to think about medicine as a linear process, like your arm gets broken, you put a cast on it, it gets better. But sometimes it's not a linear journey. Sometimes there's a lot of uncertainty and it can be a pretty arduous process. Um, So I'm sure you out there want more information about what's happening. I'm sure Jeff wants more information about what's happening. 
uh, he'd love your well wishes, but just keep in mind, it's a journey. There's a lot of uncertainty and it'll probably be a while before he has the answers that he needs. So please be respectful of him and his privacy during this time. Uh, but he is very, very appreciative of your well wishes. Uh, so please keep Jeff and his family in your thoughts in the weeks ahead. I know all of us on the podcast will be doing the same. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, hard to transition out of that, but we must go on. Uh, I'm sure Jeff would like, uh, you know, Je- Jeff would believe that the show must go on. And so we will press forward. I should also point out that you may hear Jeff uh, as part of the ads tonight. Uh, so he's still with us in the ads, at least. But let's get to our conversation this week about the Oscars, which happened last night. Now, I I don't know. I I think all of us uh, on the podcast have on some level watched at least some portion of the Oscars. Uh, Devendra, you you probably uh, watched, uh, I think you watched a good chunk of it, second half of it at least. Yeah, yeah. What what did you think overall of this year's ceremony? Because this year's ceremony was different. They didn't pack the Dolby Theater. They used Union Station. Uh, they were mostly socially distanced, and they made some really interesting decisions with regards to the filmmaking. For sure, Steven Soderbergh was, uh, was yeah, yeah, it was Soderbergh, right? Yeah, so- Soderbergh was one of the producers of the show, and they filmed everything in widescreen in 24 FPS to more closely resemble uh, the frame rate of a film. That's what I want on my TV. Yeah, yeah, um, and also uh, in addition to that, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, like, but the, the framing was very different. Like it was not a conventional live show framing. Like there, there are a lot the, of Soderbergh angles too. Like, yeah, Soderbergh the, angle where like the, things, the, the, yeah. the speaking subject is is occupying only a small portion of the screen. Too too bad they couldn't like go back in time and just replay what just happened while they were speaking. You know, in normal time, like just really really get into that. Um, out of sight in limey editing, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that would have yeah. been fun. Get, get that editing style. Really get in there. it in there. Yeah. I, hear what, I hear what you're saying. Uh, so, yeah, what did you what did you make of this festival or uh, this ceremony? I should say. Yeah, P- pretty pretty wild. It seemed really low key, honestly. I like just the way it was set up because it wasn't. It's like a it's like a little cocktail lounge. It looks like right. It wasn't a, a gorgeous huge theater, but to some degree i was glad like we were able to actually be at a point where they could have people in a room uh relatively safe and uh have them together and run some sort of uh some sort of ceremony but it is weird like the way they set it up um there were no like previews right for the categories so like when they were talking about best editing or things like that like it was really hard to tell what they specifically were referring to that was kind of odd some of the in-between stuff i liked some of the uh some of the skits were kind of fun Lil Rel was was fun um but yeah and then that ending we will we will talk about that yeah but, uh, a lot yeah. of weird stuff there yeah they they made a lot of interesting bold choices uh i i, I will start with the things that are good that i liked about the show right they they made some daring decisions and that's always good uh, I always w- want to see people take big swings. One of the big swings they took was rearranging the order of the categories uh, in a way that they hoped would pay off and spectacularly did not. Uh, another thing they did that I thought was interesting was th- there was no music playing people off. Yes. Uh, which I thought, the best, you know, yeah. the best change. Yeah, yeah. yeah because uh, it's always like super awkward and painful when pe- they start playing the people off. And I'm glad they, they didn't do that. Now, 
the the flip side of that is a lot of the speeches were boring, you know, like uh, kind of a recitation of names. But some of the speeches were actually heartfelt, and it led to some genuinely amazing moments, like with Daniel Kaluuya thanking his parents for having sex and conceiving him. I mean, you know? everybody should. Everybody yeah, should. As everyone yeah. should. Do that tonight. Uh, but Danny Syed, you also watched it. I think you had an overall very positive impression, right? Yeah, I think that I agree that there was some odd decisions and obviously the ending was kind of crazy, but, uh, I hadn't watched the Oscars in a long time. I grew up watching the Oscars. I was so excited. I was super into film as a kid and teenager. I kind of fell off of it and I hadn't watched it in maybe 10 years. Like I'd watch highlights or like on YouTube the day after or stuff like that. So this is the first time watching it. And I watched it, uh, because you know, my studio was nominated and, I was pretty impressed. I thought it was fantastic. I was like, right from the opening title sequence, which was great. And I mean, I'm maybe a little biased. I used to, that's what I used to do. I used to make title sequences for TV and movies. And so when that started, I'm like, wow, this is something different. This is cool. And Regina King walking and like, it's just like Jackie Brown-esque, like this cool walking title sequence. Uh, and then because yeah, they, they framed it like a movie, it was like starring Brian Cranston, yeah. you know, it wasn't like a regular live telecast, basically. Yeah, it's so cool. And so, yeah, I think that set the tone. And I, I got to say, I was pretty much on board with every single decision they made, like I from beginning to end, except for the ending. Uh, <laughs> beginning to yeah, end. You're, you're talking about every ending. decision, every decision for the telecast, right? Yes, like, yes, exactly. Or, or are you talking about for the Oscar? No, no, no the, themselves? the telecast, the production. Yeah, yeah, I was on yeah. board. Uh, Tara Ariano, I know you don't watch the whole thing, but any thoughts on the, the sections you did see? Um, well, I'll just say with regard to their decisions, I was glad that they, they backed down on the, uh, hard line they took on people being remote because originally when they were doing press about how it was going to be, they were like, no one can come in by zoom. If you're not here, fuck you. Basically <laughs> people were like, yeah, if we live in other countries, we literally cannot come in, like enter the U S <laughs> yeah. Um, so what? And then they had to be like, uh, just kidding. And like back down on that. So they tried to make it so that the, like, uh, the cutaways to the, or the remote segments, um, Mm -hmm. were visually kind of, uh, not discordant with the rest of the show. Right. They tried to, I don't know how well they succeed, but they tried to make it so that, uh, it, it didn't look too jarring when they Mm -hmm. cut away to someone who's like in London giving a thank you speech or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought they did a good job with that, and I was glad that they didn't, you know, that they they realized <laughs> there are different world circumstances right now, and like accommodations have to be made. Like, don't be like this, America. Basically, <laughs> like that's kind of how I read their hardlininess. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, why are we talking about anything except the ending? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like, truly. You know, it well, seemed like all of the the wins were were justified. I mean, there were a couple that where I was like, eh, yeah, that's not what I would have done. But. Here's a, so here's here's what else I'll say about uh, the Oscars is, uh, for the most part, all the movies are awesome. Like all the movies and the awards that were given are great. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Nomadland, but I know everyone in the world likes that movie. So you know that movie taking Best Picture, great. Uh, Frances McDormand winning for Best Actress. I mean, again, uh, again, you know, again. I think like uh, probably one of the other actresses could have used that one, but that, uh, uh, that household must be getting kind of uh, that mantle place must Poor be getting Glenn kind Close. of full. It's yeah. So mean. <laughs> yeah, but between Frances McDormand and Joel Cohen, right? Like they have yeah. tons of Oscars in that house, uh, and it was wonderful to see some milestones. Uh, Chloe Zhao being the uh, f- second woman director to ever win uh, Best Director and also the first woman of color 
to win Best Director. Um, uh, Ya Jung Yoon being the uh, first Korean woman to ever win Best Actress in a Supporting Lovely. Role. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, yeah. So it's awesome. That it's was awesome. the acting win I was the most excited mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And so th- there's like many great films that were acknowledged. I, I know a lot of people were fans of Another Round as well. Um, yeah. That took uh, home the award for Best International Film. And uh, Sound of Metal didn't win in any of the like above the line categories, but it did win for Best Sound and Best Film Editing, which I thought was great. Um, so like all the movies, you know, and Mank took home a couple of awards as well. So like all the movies that won awards were like pretty, pretty good. You know, like they, they, did, they did do a bad job with you. I mean, very few people have seen literally all those movies I just said. But uh, for the most part, they're great movies. And so I, I think that like that's that should not be understated is that like uh, they did a good job with the awards. Well, and also it's it's it was easier this year than any other year to have potentially seen all of those movies. Because <laughs> right, yes, yes. Despite the fact that it was easier, I don't think that many people have seen them. But yes, you can turn on your TV right now and watch the overwhelmingly vast majority of these movies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's great, too. That's great, too. Uh, okay. Then there was the ending. <laughs> and the, so uh, let me just say that overall, I think I was far more negative on the entire ceremony than anyone else in the podcast. I know this is a shock to people that I could be more negative than other people on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know you're, you're stunned. You need to retire to the fainting couch. Cause I've just said that. Uh, but it, it felt to me like there was ill conceived decision left and right. Let me list a few of them for you. As you, I think Devinder, you pointed out, there was very few of the clips of the movies in this ceremony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead, they opted for people talking about the people that were in Ugh, the movies. Which is like, don't tell. Show don't tell. <laughs> I, which yeah. is like, okay, I, I, I admire, like they're trying to make it more personal and stuff, but ultimately you're trying to get people psyched for the movies. People right? love and, watching clips. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And it's like they showed actual trailers for the new West Side Story movie, uh, Steven Spielberg and In the Heights. And it's like, that was like, I, I, that was the mo- one of the most exciting moments of the night for me was seeing the trailer for West Side Story. That was our first uh, glimpse of it too, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's I'm I'm excited for that movie. I'm really really curious how that's going to shake out. Uh, so it's really weird decision to not not have the clips. Really weird decision to have people talking about people. I liked it. Uh, I liked that <laughs> specifically. I was like, oh wow, I don't have to watch these clips. I get to actually <laughs> learn about these yeah. people. I, I the, the complete opposite yeah, reaction. Yeah. The Ringer had a really great. Summary, like I think they said, it, it's basically for diehard movie fans, is what this Oscars was, right? Because yeah. basically they're like, you, if you're a movie fan, you've already seen all these movies, you don't need us to show you all the clips, right? So we are going to, uh, the, the ratings are going to suck anyway. We yes. might as well do something different and interesting, right? So I, that's yeah. that's the charitable view of how it went down, right? I totally agree. It's it, they, You take out every single thing that tries to broaden the audience and make it actually about what matters, and this is what you get. Indeed, indeed. So then, uh, so you know, different people have different opinions how well that decision went down. I thought it made for a relatively painful evening. Uh, and, but, you know, it, it's like at least they're trying something different. Okay, I can respect that. And then you get to the ending, and there was a huge shock to the extent that anyone was watching the show at all. By the way, the yeah. ratings were terrible. It went because down- uh, we were expecting something, right? <laughs> because well, of how the things were rearranged. Right, so... Before they had warned us, we're gonna they're gonna make some interesting decisions about uh-huh. how the orders were arranged. Now, uh, how the awards were arranged. Now, every year, the evening has always culminated with best picture, right? Uh, and 
it's been great. It's like, hey, here's the best picture. Here's the thing, the movie we think is best. And everyone that's involved in making the movie gets on stage and it's very emotional and uh, it's kind of a great, it, it, there's inherent drama in that decision. And logic also. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> there's almost yeah. no upside to doing it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost like having a movie that's about a tournament and the tournament doesn't happen. Um, but uh, not that I'm foreshadowing anything. So anyway, you, I and a lot of people on my Twitter timeline were shocked when like 20 minutes before the end of the show, they announced Best Picture. Yeah. So it's like, whoa. And then instantly the rest of the show starts to snap into place. You're like, oh, I see what they're doing. Uh-huh. They're trying to rearrange it so that we end the evening with a best actor win and therefore hopefully conclude with a heartfelt tribute to Chadwick Boseman, uh, who passed away last year, but was nominated for his exemplary work in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And so it's like, okay, all right. uh, I I don't know how I feel about that. Like that feels a little bit in poor taste and exploitative to me. And presumptuous. and, and presumption, but at least it's like okay. I, I understand what, like, what the what I understand wrong? what the vision is. <laughs> I understand what the vision is. Okay, so uh, the the downside of there's many many downsides of this decision, right? First of all, is that the people behind Nomadland who like deserve to be yeah. the stars of the evening because of how well the film did, and Chloe Zhao won, and Francis McDormand won, and the movie won Best Picture. Like that should have been the story of the night. Instead. We're talking about this bullshit that I'm about to say, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, then... it's, it's almost like a meticulously planned heist <laughs> that goes horribly awry. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is that, like all of the Oceans movies, that uh-huh. the part that went bad is actually a fake out, and that the <laughs> real Oscars is somewhere in the future where they will actually do a good job. Has anybody but... kept eyes on Andy Garcia over here? Yeah. <laughs> or all the Oscars were already handed out two weeks ago? Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. They actually nice. lowered the building by like two feet. <laughs> we didn't notice. I will say, so, though, Dave, your reaction made it worth it. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. all I'll say. Yes. I, I tweeted and Insta and YouTube my reaction to it because, you know, I, I filmed my reaction last year when Parasite won and that, you know, a lot of people watch that. And so I'm like, I'm going to do the same thing this year. And I was so stunned. So basically what happens is Best Actress, uh, you know, goes to uh, Frances McDormand. So they they had... The best actress last year introduced the best the best actress category mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Does not and how it usually goes. Uh, I, I actually thought it usually went the opposite. I thought it went best actress introduces best. No, actor. no. I mean, usually uh, the last year's best actress gives out best actor. Right, right. So they they flip that around, which was in itself a bad decision because now you know that Joaquin Phoenix is going to introduce best actor, <laughs> right? So it's and like... You don't know what he's going to be wearing. Yeah. Okay, and then Joaquin Phoenix shows up. He looks like he does not want to be there at all, right? <laughs> he just is like totally bored. He's like, they told me to say some words about acting and I guess it's about convincing people that you're someone else, you know? <laughs> like, that's basically the extent of what he said. And we're all kind of expecting that it's going to be Chadwick Boseman, and I think they actually invited his family there to theoretically give a speech, which kind of yeah. is like mm, felt kind of felt kind of icky already. But it's like okay, maybe if she's able to give a speech, then that it will be so moving, it will redeem the whole thing. But also, in their defense, he did he has won a lot of the precursor awards. Yes, and yeah. she has given a lot of those speeches, so it's not like totally 
out of left I, field. I am upset that you have uttered the words in their defense tonight. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> it's no, not I'm unprecedented. Just, I'm, yeah, you're, you're right. You're, I, I mean, they, they made a, a high-risk gamble. And it went horribly for them. Yeah, um, because they, that could have still happened if they had awarded that prize in the normal slot, which is to say, not at the end. Right. So obviously, the award went to Anthony Hopkins, who did not uh, appear at the show, nor was he even on Zoom because it was like what uh, it's like four a.m. over yeah. in wherever yeah. he lives, right? He's in Wales, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's just uh, for, and I, I am not mad at Anthony Hopkins at all. No. Dude, he sh- he should be enjoying his life sleeping. Yeah, there were follow up articles. That he they pleaded, please let me zoom from home for this thing, <laughs> and the academy was like, no, you got to go to either Dublin or London, and yeah. uh, you know put your COVID at risk self uh, in danger for this. Yeah, which yeah, by so, the way, he's he's also the oldest Best Actor yeah. winner ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let the man live at home yeah, with his man, cats. I, That's I, all he I, wants to do. Sit at home and play music for his cats on the piano. I love the idea of Anthony Hopkins just sitting at home in, in a peaceful slumber as the entire world freaked out about the fact that this, this whole thing happened the way it did. Um, so no, no, no bad feelings against Anthony Hopkins at all for a good performance, uh, too, for, for, for an amazing performance, performance yeah. in the father. He did amazing in that film. Um, so yeah, love Anthony Hopkins, but they they gambled really badly, and then basically, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is like the Academy accepts the award on behalf of Anthony Hopkins. Okay, now the show's over. Goodbye. Yeah, and, and it's just like I think he Whoa. saw he saw the writing on the wall. He was like, uh, I am I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> He's that like, was oh, awesome. Yeah. And, and by the way, so I've seen I I saw you know Dave curated a list of like here are some of the moments that you should watch, and one of them was that, and like D- David David Cole, your husband. Your, no, your you. Friend. Oh he me? Oh, okay. No, he okay, didn't sorry. care. <laughs> he, he no, no. Okay, you. sorry. I thought you were talking about like an article he wrote or something. No, God, no. Yeah. No, no, no. And so all. <laughs> no, of he would other... never profane his life with this. Yeah. Okay. Certainly not. Um. He. So he. I watched every other one that was on your list that you gave me was on like the ABC YouTube page. This one sure wasn't. So it's was a good <laughs> thing that the Instagram user at Dave Chensky put it online because otherwise I would never have seen it. Yeah. But it was hilarious. It, it was. Yeah. I mean, okay, Danish, you you otherwise thought the show was great. Yeah. How did you react to that final moment? Well, I I guess I was still sort of reeling from it I didn't I didn't make that connection of like, oh well they're doing this because of this and this. I'm like yeah, I just right. I was already on my back foot of like what what are they doing? And then yeah What are they doing? Right, yeah. And then that happened and yeah. it's like shut it <laughs> shut it all down. <laughs> It is exactly the uh, the I think you should leave sketch. Oh, right? the look on Questlove's <laughs> yeah, face is yeah. like, get me out of here! Shut it down. <laughs> uh, you know what, what's funny though? It is of a piece with the with the Oscars just being bonkers for the last few years, years right? Like Parasite, I didn't see that coming. I I remember I was laying on the floor <laughs> just like waiting for that event to be over, and I yeah. just like shot up and started screaming when Parasite went. And then the Moonlight and La La Land thing, I was I was watching that live. Yeah, what, oh, is, what is it with these like incredibly unpredictable and sometimes upsetting endings that the Oscars I kind of love I, it. I do. I want the chaos, please. At the same time, though, the ratings have been, I think, the worst that they've ever been. Like this is correct. Uh-huh. It dropped like fifty eight percent since last year. Under ten million people mm-hmm. watched it last night. It's, I think it that was, was true for disaster. most award shows. Like just, correct, you know, in general. Correct. Yeah. So they've been bad in general, but yeah, this has been pretty rough year for the Oscars, and I, I can't say it was undeserved. I can't say. This is this is not one of those things that I'm like, oh man, isn't it a shame that the, the they did such a good job with the Oscars and then no one watched it? Like, <laughs> I mean, at I, least I don't it's feel kinda, that way at all. 
this proves the producers actually don't know who's going to win, right? Like, and I yes. feel like there there have been other examples right. of either they or they picked a particular person to introduce an award and somebody else won. So I saw a couple right. of those floating around. So yeah, yeah, that tells us something. Yeah, I kind of feel like uh, this the, is what the Oscars should be, though. They should not go for sure. the ratings. They should go for yep. something cool and interesting and intimate. An all-out bloodbath. Yeah, yeah. At the well, same I mean, time, at the same time, they typically charge ABC one hundred million dollars to broadcast well, the Oscars. Maybe they shouldn't do that. They, <laughs> it, it's pro- and it's only going to keep dropping, like not just because fewer and fewer people care, <laughs> or but because like with more and more people cord cutting, and I will not say what I feel about them. Mm-hmm. except they're quitters but um <laughs> but like those the numbers are just going to only keep going down for live events because... well, there are there are ways to to watch it so i like, know that's but but the average person doesn't know what those uh, are. i mean yeah actually i i signed up for youtube tv just to watch it i'm, I'm oh, on my wow. five-day free trial yeah the most expensive <laughs> of the of the tv yeah. options i like uh was it low cast which uh, does like it's a free streaming thing, and you donate a little bit. Um, oh, that's you a lot can of quitters on this podcast. Interesting. A lot, a lot wow. of quitters, like or, yeah, yeah, or buy or buy uh, an external and ante- digital antenna, and you're yeah. you get it get ABC for free. Um, if, if you if you get that, we we by the way have not talked about I think the most uh, one of the most insane sequences of of the night, Glenn which Close. was the uh, the Glenn Glouse thing. It was Lil going out, going around asking people about particular songs and. Uh, also the the purple rain and her sequence like a beautiful beautiful but glenn close having encyclopedic knowledge of the butt which was clearly um great bit clearly like rehearsed and everything but then it keeps going like he keeps going to the point of her doing the butt it's great and i have to say i loved it yeah i loved it yeah Uh, it wasn't a bad segment it's just bizarre that it's happening like two and a half hours into a three hour, <laughs> oh, 15 minute long most show. Definitely. And, then, and then they had the in memoriam sequence and they like had to rush it like I think <laughs> to the to the music. But also they were rushing through, you know, there's like several people per brutal. second. It was yeah. a brutal in memoriam. We spent five minutes on the was, butt. Yeah. Yes. It's like that they focused on the butt instead of the in memoriam. Also, Josh Gondelman tweeted this last night, which I thought was quite astute. He says, quote, I am not against an award show where the hosting is earnest, but can the Oscars stop saying they don't have a host when what they mean is we have several hosts uh-huh. and none of them will perform a comedic monologue? <laughs> <laughs> Never again. And that's yeah. that's hurt the that's hurt the things as well because before you could tune in and see Kevin Hart, you know, before that whole debacle unfolded, you could see John Stewart, you could see David Letterman, you could see, you know, these these people were draws, right? And mm-hmm. now they're I feel like, like a host would have uh, could have even maybe tried to rap the finale situation, just like something. Right. Could have something. done something. Could have done mm-hmm. something. So it, anyway, bizarre decisions all around. Uh, a very rough evening all around. If you were a diehard film fan, you might have enjoyed it. Otherwise, I cannot recommend this broadcast to but anyone. But congr- all the congrats to Chloe Zhao. Like, who yes. is just killing it. Love Amazing. It. Can't, wait to see the, can't wait to see the Eternals. Can't wait to see the Eternals. So, yeah. And those are our thoughts on this year's Oscars. Hey, it's Jeff here to tell you about our sponsor, Candid. Are you unhappy with your smile? You don't have to be. Thousands of people have used Candid, the clear, comfortable, removable, and practically invisible aligners to help straighten their teeth. And now they love their smile, just like my wife has done. She's one of the thousands. She used Candid to help straighten her teeth and improve her smile, and she was thrilled with how easy it was and how great it turned out. And Candid is here to help straighten your teeth so that you can fall in love with your smile too. Your treatment is prescribed and closely monitored 
remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. You'll have the same quality of care you'd get from an in-office orthodontist from the comfort and convenience of your own home. And while other companies use general dentists, Candid only works with orthodontists. With Candid, the same orthodontist who created your plan is with you from start to finish, so you never have to wonder how you're doing. The average Candid treatment is just six months, and you'll start seeing results way before that. And it costs thousands less than traditional braces. My wife has been so happy with the process of using Candid to straighten her teeth. She recommends it, and therefore, I recommend it as well. Become your best you. Start strengthening your teeth today. Right now, you can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to CandidCO.com slash Filmcast and use the code Filmcast. That's Candid, C-A-N-D-I-D-C-O.com slash Filmcast and the code Filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. CandidCO.com slash Filmcast. Promo code Filmcast. All right, let's get on to what we've been watching this week. I want to talk about uh, couples therapy. Is everything okay over there, Dave? (laughs) Anything you want to talk about, buddy? Uh, You know, I knew you were going to do... I I tried to preempt you. I tried Uh to say the show on Showtime, but before I could even get it out of my mouth... I could. Yep. No, it's okay. It's okay. Anyway, couples therapy is a kind of documentary esque show on Showtime. I had heard about it from various sources, but it was listening to Tara Ariano and her colleagues talk about it on the extra great podcast that really uh, got me to check it out. Season one is available for free uh, on prime video through April 30th. And so uh, definitely check that out if you have a chance, but this this is a show that I would consider paying for Showtime to watch this. Like that That's is so good. that is how good it is. It's basically fall season one, which I've watched uh, a lot of, follows I think four or five couples over the course of uh, many episodes, and the way the show is done, it uh, is filmed beautifully, and it does not it does not feel exploitative. It doesn't feel like reality television. It feels like you are actually getting insight into. Uh, the concept of modern marriage into the like what good therapy actually is. Uh, I love uh, Olga, or, I'm sorry, Orna Gorolnik, who is the uh, therapist on the show. She is incredible. It's just a really fascinating show. Uh, I, I would actually uh, recommend you watch it or watch it with your spouse or loved one. I think it'll prompt some really valuable conversations. Uh, but I think it's just really well made and would recommend it uh, because it's it's um, revealing, it's insightful, uh, and it's moving. Yeah. Tara, uh, you watched this as well, right? Yeah, it's spectacular. I mean, I think when you say re- it's a it's it's real, people might seize up and think, "Oh, I don't want to watch that" because they think it's going to be gross. <laughs> but it's not. It doesn't have any of the like the sort of it's not made with the vernacular of reality tv it's re- it really is more like a documentary series and it just right. lets it's it shot lets, in 24 fps yeah. you know so and it, uh it looks and there's no like talking heads really right yeah, it's just, yeah 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 yes and there's no like you know interviews with the people after where you know they're saying right. what i meant by this was blah 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 where there's a clearly a story editor that's like crafting right. a narrative it's just these are people having therapy and that's what you see yeah so it's great 
yeah, so you can check that out. It's on Showtime. I, I watched the first season on Prime Video. I think it's like Showtime's making season one available for free for a limited time, so uh, it might be available elsewhere. But that's couples therapy. That's what I've been watching this week. Also, uh, one more thing. It's only a half hour, so it's not even a big commitment to watch. Yeah, um, oh, that's good. Watch, yeah. Like, watch like one episode. You know, it's low risk. Watch one episode, and I, I think you will probably be you hooked. You will be hooked. Is my guess, yeah. So... <laughs> It's really good. Uh, and see, the reason I watch it is because season two is airing right now on Showtime, right? right? Yep. So All of I, season two is available if you have the Showtime app. You can yeah, watch it. So I'm like, this is the thing that's going to get me to pay for Showtime, you know? And mm-hmm. that's okay. That's okay. Divinder Hardware, what have you watched this week? Uh, a few things. Uh, I've actually been checking out the, the new Joss Whedon show, The Nevers. It's on HBO Max, which is, is very much a Joss Whedon show. And let me just say, I, uh, I do feel a little weird watching this now and actually being kind of into it as well, because um, I feel like uh, maybe Tara, maybe, maybe you would understand, right? Well, he got fired from it. So there's that. Yeah. He got fired from it it. because of him being an absolute shitbag apparently to work with and just bad, bad, bad human, which Mm -hmm. is a shame because I grew up watching all of his stuff. Right. And the thing is like the guy is, can be an incredible TV writer, Buffy, Angel, Firefly, everything, like everything he has done, I have loved in some form. Um, this show feels like a weird remix of everything he's done. Like you can, you can literally point to characters that he just like plucked from one char- from one show and just plopped right in here. The, the actual premise is, um, you know, uh, people in Victorian, uh, like in Victorian London get superpowers, you know, and so there, there's a group of them. They're like trying to fight fat, fight bad people. And the lead person is basically a Buffy, you know, her best friend, like the other person that she's working with is basically a Kaylee from Firefly. The weird, the villain who is, um, I guess she is kind of psychotic and that is what makes her evil. Like it is, it is not a very PC thing to do anymore. Um, but man, um, she is basically Drusilla from Buffy who had this sort of like chaotic evil thing going on. And uh, it was fun. It was fun with Buffy. Certainly doesn't like age well, given the way we understand things now, but it is just really funny to see that, you know, all these tropes are just kind of wrapped back up into something. And the series is basically X-Men. The series is basically these, you know, this group of women and girls, they have a school. Um, They, they are overseen by a rich person in a wheelchair played by Olivia Williams. Like we knows what he's doing. This guy wrote astonishing X-Men for, you know, for a bit. So he knows ex- it is just funny. Like so many different things that he's doing. Um, There's one girl, her powers. She's just, she's just giant. They did that to Dawn in the Buffy comics. But all, all this is to say is I, I kind of dig the show and I feel bad about it, which is just a weird state to be in. I think the pilot is an excellent Whedon pilot because it really introduces the world, uh, sets the stakes and everything and gives us all the characters. But it also like shows us the inciting event that also gave everybody superpowers. You're not like keeping it a secret. And I thought that was like a weird, beautiful thing to just like throw out there in the pilot. Um, I saw the second episode. It is not as good written by Janice Benson. Who's like a longtime Whedon, you know, collaborator and writer. Uh, I'm going to stick with it though, because uh, here's the thing, like this stuff, works for me like he the way he writes characters the way he writes dialogue the way he like builds his stories typically work i hope that it keeps um you know i hope like 
I'll feel less guilty keeping watching it because it's under another showrunner now. Um, and I hope it gets even better. Like, I think there's just so much potential here for like a cool Victorian X-Men type thing. The action is good. Production values are pretty good. Um, it is a Whedon remix, but man, if that's not my catnip, like that's the problem. I just feel bad about it. I have like very complex feelings right now, but I'm, I'm digging it. It's a fun show so far, at least. Uh, Tara, you seen the Nevers? No, when I first read about this, I was like Primrose yeah. Chataway and yep, Lavinia yep. Bidlow is like <laughs> absolutely not. And when it premiered, um, I told Dave, D- "This is Dave, my husband." Now that was like the new Joss Whedon thing. It's out. It's like a supernatural Victorian yes. something. And Dave was like, "Wow, that sentence stopped, started bad, and just kept getting worse." <laughs> so no, we have not sampled this one. I see. All right. Well, Devendra, I wish you the best of luck. I hope it improves or uh, stays good even in Joss Whedon's absence it feels weird guys like it does it feels weird how somebody who was so prominent and like basically seen as a genius you know in his time is is not anymore because of you know these these very like serious allegations against him about just being generally a shitty showrunner and a bad boss and somebody who like you know you perpetuated a very toxic environment on his sets uh, I'd suggest Ariga read up on all that stuff. Um, I just, yeah, we're in a weird state where like I can, it's sort of like how Jeff felt about how much he loves uh, certain other creators and he feels bad now because he still likes their work and apparently they're terrible people. So yeah, yeah. it's a weird, it's state. a weird, weird time right now. Um, but that's the nevers and it's streaming right now on HBO max. Mm-hmm. What else you been watching? Devendra? I checked out the first episode of shadow and bone on Netflix. This is another big budget fantasy thing. Uh, very, I don't know, like very, very Hunger Gamesy meets Game of Thrones with some like with some real magic stuff in there. But it is um, for anybody who watches anime, like the vibe is very much Full Metal Alchemist. You know, it is like cool military outfits and people who have magic powers in different ways. And we just catch a glimpse of people who can uh, do fire magic by, you know, uh, clicking, clicking their fingers like Roy Mustang and Full Metal Alchemist. So I just want to say. I'm here for it. I really, it's, it's a, apparently it's a YA novel series. Um, it is not as like mature as something like Game of Thrones, but I'm really digging the world. I love the cast. The look of it's really interesting. Um, I can't really say much about what it's about because I would sound like a crazy person trying to describe <laughs> any of this. It is about a world where there's a giant storm. They try to go into the storm, but to get the storm, they gotta, they need like a sun wizard. And the uh, lost his mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's that that's always good um it turns out turns out the main character is like a a legendary figure a legendary like sun sorcerer type person that everybody's waiting for so it is one of those stories of the main person being a very very important person in this universe uh but i'm digging it it is um it's a lot of fun to watch i really dig the cast and uh i've watched a lot of these other like um you know more ya centered fantasy shows and i feel like this is one i'll actually stick with great uh well that's shadow and bone i've heard a lot of great things about this one and you said it's streaming on netflix right it is on this is their like big game of thrones bet so yeah awesome and uh what else you been watching one other thing right also want to shout out waffles and mochi also on netflix this is part of the uh the higher ground productions this is the obamas their like little production company that they're doing with netflix this is a cooking show for kids starring i believe an anthropomorphic waffle type muppet <laughs> animal and uh and uh and uh like a mochi that can talk and think and is very cute 
it is really it's really cute it is like sesame street combined with something like um anthony bourdain's shows it is all about teaching kids uh, you know the the history behind certain foods about like the history of rice and where rice comes from and how it's made and things like that but it's also like informative enough and shot well enough that i think adults would be really into it as well my wife was learning a couple things i learned some things from it <laughs> um so it is like it is the perfect storm of kids television it's something that the adults won't hate and everybody kind of learns something. It's entertaining enough for the kids too. Um, my daughter Sophia loves to help us cook, so I bought her one Aww. of these little, uh, these little like climbing towers, so she can like climb up to the uh, kitchen counter with us. And she she like does simple things, and she knows how to shuck corn and things like that now. So Aww. she is really digging this, and I think it's really good. Just, nice. just want to put that out there. Yeah, Tara, Tara Ariano, I believe you recently covered waffles and mochi on your extra great podcast. Did you we enjoy the did. show? Yeah. Yes, we uh, when Allison Herman from the Ringer was on, we talked about that. Yeah, it's super cute. Um, so cute. Yeah, it's definitely on so, my list. I'm always looking out for shows like this to watch with my kids. Uh, I've been eyeing this for a while. I can't wait to watch it. Exactly. Yeah. And it also brings to mind like how spoiled my daughter is too, because uh, I think at one point they go to the, one of the Michelin starred restaurants in Savannah, you know, mm-hmm. it was, um, I forget the name of it, but it was one that was in like a former bus terminal. There's a whole um, chef's table episode about it, but we went there last year and Sophia was able to go there and sit and eat some like, you know, Michelin star food. <laughs> and uh, now she can watch on TV. So it's just, it is really funny that I guess I'm turning her into a little foodie and she's loving it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's Waffles and Mochi, and it's available on Netflix right now. Danish Syed, you've been watching a few things. You've been watching one of my favorite movie franchises of all time. Oh, really? What is, is it Mighty Ducks? What is it? That is correct. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, so uh, yeah, speaking of like you know children's programming, I'm always looking for things we can watch as a family. And I saw that uh, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers was coming out on Disney Plus, his original series. And my kids had never seen the Mighty Duck trilogy. So I thought, oh, this yeah, is so great. Of course, you got to brush up on the Mighty Ducks lore. <laughs> got it. You can't just go in cold. The show is very lore heavy, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, maybe. Um, so, yes, uh, we went back and watched them. I haven't seen it since I was a child. Like, I don't, if you would have asked me, I couldn't have told you a single thing about the Mighty Ducks. But then as we started watching the first movie, everything started flooding back. I'm like, oh, mm. my God, I remember this. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it's great. I, I think the Mighty Ducks totally holds up, which is funny because I wasn't sure if it would. Uh, I looked it up, like, just kind of general reviews. I'm like, is this one of those things that's actually good or not, you know? And right. I guess when it came out, it was reviewed very badly. Like, all the whole trilogy has, like, you know, 30, 40% rotten tomatoes. I mean, I was like, it's kind of badly reviewed, um, but watching it again, I think it's great. Uh, I remember watching every one of those movies in the theater, along with uh, Three Ninjas, which, by the way, <laughs> I, I think is probably a little more problematic today than it would have been back then. <laughs> hmm. But uh, I had a great time watching the Mighty Ducks movies, and I was so excited with like D2. Like, I think that's one of the first movies where <laughs> I learned was like, a big what, moment. Yeah, what the concept deal. of a sequel was, yeah, right? right? And like, and D2 is an awesome movie. Like it's it's really great sequel. So uh, I interesting. I wasn't. Sh- I think it's a lesser. Ahem, movie. I said D two is an. <laughs> I don't think you heard me correctly, Danish. Cut it's his an, mic. Yeah. Uh, what what is your opinion on D three? Uh probably not as good. I actually, <laughs> but, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look, they're they're all very fun, very good. Uh, yes. It's you know the other kind of interesting thing is like I don't think my kids had really seen a sports movie before. And so mm-hmm. it, it's really fun. And there's a reason why they work. There's a reason why there's a lot of Disney sports movies is because it's a format. It's like a, 
a kind of structure that really is easy to understand and works really well. You know, um, I mean, they have seen Real Steel. Like, we are a Real Steel household, the superior robot movie. Um, but other than that, they hadn't really seen... Just, <laughs> superior to what? Uh, uh, Pacific Rim. Uh, anyway, so... <clears throat> I, that's just bait. That's just bait. I'm just trolling. You yeah, guys. I was gonna say, are you are you joking? I, are you trying? Are you trying to get ejected from the podcast? Is that what's <laughs> happening right now? So I legitimately love <laughs> both movies, but I honestly think Real Steel is a better movie. Um, Real Steel is oh very good. Yeah, I we reviewed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I uh, wouldn't say better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the last thing I'll say about Mighty Ducks. Oh, uh, before I get to the Game Changers, is that it, I think the reason why it was reviewed very poorly is that it's very cliched. It just follows the beats that you would expect in a sports movie. But I don't mm-hmm. think that's a bad thing, especially for a movie like this, for an audience, that you know, for this de- demographic. And in fact, we'll get to it later, but I think that uh, other movies we're about to review could maybe have benefited from more cliches. We'll get to that. But um, Game Game Changers is uh, actually very good. Uh, Dave, you're being a Mighty Ducks fan. Have you seen game changers i have it i've it's it's on my disney plus list to watch and i'm i'm worried i'm afraid that (laughs) if i watch it and it's bad okay it will sour my impression of the my memory of the mighty ducks totally fair i can i'm here to tell you it is very good it is very good wow uh, All right. Yeah, it's it starts off with a actually pretty. Was it as good as the Oscars were this year? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, th- there's there's a lot of anecdotes about characters. Yeah, <laughs> they sit there talking about memories instead of showing things. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the way, the way drama works. Um. Anyway, yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, Lauren Graham is like the main character. She's great. Uh, Emilio Estevez comes back. I actually was very impressed by his performance in the Game Changers. I mean, he's he's great overall. But he he plays more seasoned and soured sort of version, and he's a broken Gordon Bombay. Yeah, kinda, it's, it's, really it's really good. It's really good. And and the thing about him, he's like uh, Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi. Exactly. Basically. Well, yeah. here's he's the like, thing. Here's the thing I'll say, which is actually a very interesting uh, performance, is that he is that, but he's never really that mean. Like he's still pretty nice, even though mm-hmm. he's kind of grumpy. Like it's a very very excellent sort of fine-tuned performance by him. So I really like that. Like Oscar the Grouch type grumpy. (laughs) Uh, I think, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's too grumpy. But anyway, um, it's it's very good. Uh, Also, the the child actors are are excellent too. In fact, the... the, um, I think the best friend character, I think he legitimately has like great comic timing. I think he's, he's very good. So uh, we're totally digging it. My kids love the whole trilogy and they are absolutely loving the show too. So highly recommended. I really want to hear what you think, Dave, uh, being the Muddy Ducks fan that you are. I am looking forward to checking it out. Uh, and it's, it sounds like you're, you're recommending it. So that's good to know. Tara, is this something that appeals to you at all as a TV watcher? Uh, I think I was like a little bit too old for these. I'm, I'm, I may, I know I'm older than you. So I, I never saw the movies. So this is probably not. You're missing out. You're missing out, Tara. Yeah. Really? I I took up street hockey because of those stupid movies. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I did not know that. This is a whole side of slash film. I did not know about. I mean, it was, it was the nineties. We all had rollerblades and street hockey gear. Come on. You know I'll tell you this about Emilio Estevez's earlier work, though. I I only recently, like within, I think, last month in March, um, watched Young Guns and Young mm. Guns 2 back to back, which somehow passed I me haven't. by in 1988 and 1990 when they came out, even though I was like the exact <laughs> right age and like horniness for the entire <laughs> cast. Um, and they are surprisingly entertaining. They're yeah, on HBO Max. So if, uh, 
if he wants to make a young guns or old guns <laughs> show, I guess I'd be interested in that. All right. Well, that is uh, the the show is based on the Mighty Ducks franchise. It's called Game Changers, and it's streaming right now on Disney Plus. Hey, it's Jeff cutting in here to tell you about our sponsor, Theragun. Oh my goodness, Theragun has improved my life. It improved my life. I'm telling you right now, my wife and I can't live without our Theragun at this point. It is a treat at the end of the day that we give each other. What is it? You're asking me, what is it? Well, Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. I'm telling you, we take turns using the Theragun on each other's back, shoulders, neck. It is incredible, and the Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, whether it's from an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, which, believe me, there are some. There is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. I'm not joking. This thing looks like a science fiction prop. You just go to their site, check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. It's pretty great. I'm telling you, this is a staple of our evenings. My wife goes, please, just I just need like 30 seconds of Theragun, and I'm going to feel better. It really works that quickly on us. It's not something we need to do for a long period of time, but it has a huge benefit. And Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. My wife and I, I'm telling you, in fact, I'm going to give you a little extra tidbit that wasn't in this ad read. We gave a Theragun to my father-in-law for his birthday because we love it so much. We, we knew he would benefit from it, so we gifted him a Theragun, and now he's on board loving it. Try Theragun for yourself for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash filmcast right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash filmcast, T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Uh, Danny Shayed, what else are you watching? So after seeing the Mortal Kombat movie, uh, I had a lo- I heard a lot of good things about the animated film that came out last year called Mortal Kombat Legends: Scorpion's Revenge, and so I checked that out and I, I thought it was actually pretty good. Uh, it's you know pretty sort of generic. Uh, it's it's not going to really wow you, but it's a story well told that has character arcs, which is something that not all Mortal Kombat movies do. So. Uh, I actually liked it. Um, I think the animation is pretty cheap, not the best, but um, yeah, it's solid. Check it out. If you're, if you're into like, you're like, Hey, this mortal Kombat thing sounds cool. What else, what else you got? I, I would check out Scorpion's revenge. 
Uh, I've heard great things about this. I've heard it's like ultra violent. The yeah. animation is like okay, but I've heard it's actually like really good and probably a better Mortal Kombat film than the one we're going to talk about tonight. I agree with that. Um, a funny story is, uh, you know, I-, I was working at NetherRealm at the time uh, when this came out, and it- actually before it came out, and uh, there was a lot of N- NetherRealm is the company that makes the Mortal Kombat video games. For those who don't know, that's yep. right. And I guess you didn't say it in my intro, but uh, I worked on Mortal Kombat games for ten years, <laughs> so uh, I know a little bit about I it. Mean, I was going to save that, that oh, okay. information for the review, but you know, right. no, it's cool. It's cool. You got to get that out there. Just That's like fine. the Oscars, just drop that info. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Just drop it, yeah. you know, um, drop it like the best picture in the middle of the ceremony. Yeah, that's cool. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, like Mortal Kombat Legends, they were, they were actually, the studio was involved. There was a lot of cons- consultation, like they would send uh, our art director and creative director art from it. Like, hey, does this uh, environment look like how you want it to and stuff like that. So it's actually pretty closely involved and in fact, as far as far as the lore goes, it's it's very very um, you know accurate to the lore if that matters to anybody. Um, uh, but what I was going to say is uh, when w- there was an interesting kind of anecdote that one of the first cuts that uh, they showed our creative director uh, was so violent that he the the cre- the co creator of Mortal Kombat said, "I think you guys went too far." And they they actually cut some of the violence out of it because it was that gory. Uh, so that's a little fun fact for you. Um, All right. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's solid. It's worth watching. It's on uh, believe- Mortal Kombat Legends, uh, Scorpion's Revenge. And how did you watch? That's it again, on Danish? HBO Max as well. Got it. Okay. Uh, and a couple other things you want to yeah, mention, right? Yeah, quick, a quick shout-outs to a couple Shudder movies. Uh, so I heard a lot about this movie called Lake Mungo, which is an oh, yeah. Australian yeah. movie from a few years ago, I think. And it's basically a mockumentary about a missing girl. Um, it's basically what if Paranormal Activity was a documentary? Uh, it's it's really, really well made. Um, the the actual like mockumentary-ness of it is exceptionally well done. It's like the best one since... American Vandal in terms of like really nailing the form. And I was also really impressed by the acting, like extremely naturalistic acting, uh, especially the main character, the main character's father, or like the, he's one of the main characters is the father character. He is so good. I, if you didn't know better, you would believe that this is him giving an interview about this tragic thing that happened. Uh, yeah. Phenomenal. Um, I think that the, 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 the story and that mystery is interesting. There's some creepy moments. It doesn't quite come together at the end. I didn't think it was that satisfying of an ending or the final act kind of lost me a little bit, but overall I still recommend it because it's just very well done. Um, and another quick shout out to uh, a shutter movie. Uh, so shutter, I got actually a while ago to watch uh, thanks to you guys' review one cut of the dead. And I also ended up watching scare me, which is an awesome movie. And I kind of forgot to cancel Shudder, but I, I, <laughs> I also haven't minded because there has been a steady drip of cool movies that I kind of hear about on Twitter, Lake Mungo being one of them, I believe. I think it might have been Ryan Johnson who tweeted about it. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. And then I'm like, oh. Yeah, I'm it. looking it up. I had never heard of it until you mentioned it just now. And it has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm like, It's like hmm. a cult thing because people yeah. have been talking about it since like the early I'm, 2010s. It's from 2008. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Right. And so, uh, yeah, so every once in a while, a cool horror movie will come up on Twitter and Shudder will have it. And so like, oh, great. So I forgot to cancel it, but I'm okay with that. It's been, it's been steady, you know, has some steady content for me. Um, the other one I actually sought out. And again, it was awesome. That it was on Shudder. It's called The Banishing. 
which I've never heard of, but for some, it just came across and I noticed it was directed by Christopher Smith, who Dave, you might know Ooh. as the director of Triangle. There, there you go. Yes. Yes. yes which, Triangle, one of my favorite time travel movies. Me too. Me too. And he also did an awesome movie called Black Death starring Sean Bean and Reddy, Eddie Redmayne and Clarice Van Houten, which is awesome. If you haven't seen Black Death, definitely check that out. So I was very excited to check out The Banishing. And I think it's my least favorite of his movies. It's solid. Uh, it's very much like um, House on Haunted Hill or Haunting of, or sorry, is that what it's called? Or Haunting of Bly Manor, like those those mm-hmm. two movies or a series. It's very much kind of like that vein. Um, there's some timey-wimey stuff going on. It's a little bit like that with a little bit of triangle, you know. Uh, it's solid. It's, you know, don't love it. But, uh, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, you know, it might be worth checking out. All right. Well, that's Lake Mungo and The Banishing. And you saw them both on Shudder, uh, which is a streaming service you can subscribe to via a variety of platforms. Yeah. That's what Danish Side's been watching this week. Tara, let's go to you. A couple things you've been watching this week. Well, I didn't watch all of the Oscars. I just watched the clips that you had recommended. But um, my husband, whose name is also Dave, and I are still very serious cinema fans, which is why we spent Sunday night watching Striking Distance from 1993 and Poseidon Adventure from 1972, neither of which we had seen before. And so I have been mocked in the past and present and probably future for my um, DVR setting (laughs) practices, which involve going through the entire guide every day. to make sure that there's stuff I want to record. And often there is. And it's sometimes weird stuff like this um, that I wouldn't come across. Okay, okay hold on. We, we, need to, we need to pause here for a moment. Please, so, ask me you, anything. Okay, so what DVR device are you using? So we have DirecTV. Uh-huh. So we have a DirecTV, like it's called the Genie. And then we uh-huh. have receivers for several other... And it, um, does it physically make a copy onto your onto your local hard drive or... Because, for instance, on YouTube TV, you can quote unquote DVR things, but it's not actually creating a hard copy on your hard drive. It's just uh, it, it's just like marking it so that it can stream it to you later, basically. Oh no, it's like it's it records it. Yeah, like, so it's physically yeah. Okay, got it. And so every yeah. day, every morning, you browse around looking mm-hmm. for what exactly? Just movies that or whatever. Like I go through our channels that I'm interested in, and just go through the prime time on some of them, and like for the movie channels, which we get all of them. I'll go through it like from midnight to midnight on a on a day and just page through all of the channels. Wow. <laughs> Wait, but aren't aren't the movies that you choose available anytime anyway? Yeah, like aren't they Great streaming question. on like HBO Max or something? Yeah. Great question. Sometimes that is true, and I also have the Just Watch app on my phone and I do this oh, on I my use phone it all every the time. Day yes, Just Watch as well. But Sometimes where it, like we have stars, some stuff goes on the stars on like they'll air it, but it doesn't go on the stars app. Mm. And then mm. other times, like if you have Cinemax, Cinemax, for some fucking reason, <laughs> doesn't have an app at all. So if you record something from Cinemax, like that's the only place you can watch it, really, unless you want to like put it on your browser and then airplay it to your Apple TV. <laughs> like Jason, whatever his name is, Kylar, Killar, what what the hell are you doing? Like what again, I must ask, why did you call it HBO Max if there is not Cinemax built in? It's true. It is it's weird true. to call it HBO Max to then own Cinemax and then not put Cinemax on the service that's they called HBO Max. They put some Cinemax shows, but not everything. Yeah. 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 Which is dumb. Okay, like, so yeah, because because sometimes uh, a TV uh, or a movie channel might have 
broadcast rights to it, but they might not have right. streaming rights to it, right? So that then right. you can DVR that you can find a loophole through that, DVR that stuff, and then watch it at your own leisure. Has there right. been anything you found that you've been very proud of? Like, is there anything you've like, oh my gosh, I recorded the one time that that broadcast, <laughs> yeah, in the in the North America. I know, uh, I know people who have the Black Hat director's cut, which oh was only God. shown on FX one. Whoa, so yes, Black that Hat, is, is that the Michael one. Mann film? Yes, wow. I need to see that. Wow. I mean, I right. wish I had a good answer for that. Like, I, I wish I had saved, for example, the time that um, Adam Pally and Ben Schwartz guest hosted uh, the Late Late Show because, like, they never aired that again, and it was so good. But, I, but I no, it's mostly it. stuff like this, and it's and it's more like I'll DVR a movie just because I never know if I'm going to want to watch it like this week or you know six months from now. And the other thing about the streaming services is that is that they expire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or with HBO stuff, like it'll run on HBO for like three or four or five or however many months, and then it goes to Cinemax, and it like might as well be down a well for as accessible as it is. Truly, yeah, yeah. So one of those gems you discovered was Striking Distance. <laughs> I mean, gem is a strong. Is this the Bruce Willis the, movie? The 1993 Bruce yes. Willis movie. I saw yes. this when it came out. <laughs> yeah, it's a very enjoyable movie. <laughs> Like, huh. it's stupid. But, like, you know, these are the kind of dumb action movies that we enjoy. <laughs> and this is, like, a good era of stupid action movies. So he's a cop. He comes from a family of cops on, like, both sides. And at the beginning, he has just testified against his, like, the his cousin who's been involved in a police brutality case. And his testimony put this guy away. And he's played by Robert Pastorelli, who is dead. He played Eldon on M- Murphy Brown. Remember that guy? That's his cousin. Dennis Farina plays that guy's dad. Tom Sizemore plays their brother. It's actually really good family casting, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> the three I of believe them, all those like, people are related. Yep, I buy it. Um, but at the same time, there's also a serial killer that is uh, terrorizing Pittsburgh, which is where this is set, and seems to actually have been shot there. And um, John Mahoney plays Bruce Willis's dad. Less successful family casting, I'm going to yeah, say. I love that. I love John Mahoney. Sure. <laughs> I love it too, but he doesn't look like he's Bruce Willis's dad. <laughs> he's also a cop. Um, anyway, in the beginning, yeah. something terrible happens at the beginning, and the, they think they have the serial killer in their sights, and then he gets away. And then the cousin like is about to get sentenced, and he like loses his mind and jumps off a bridge. Spoiler. But... So then great, great. we pick from up from the director of Roadhouse, apparently. So that's yes, Rowdy Harrington, okay, the one and only. It's not as good as Roadhouse, Aww. so don't go in expecting that it is. I mean, what is honestly? But then we jump forward two years later. He's Bruce Willis. You can tell he's sad because he's living on a houseboat, but he's yeah. also been mm. demoted to. Um, he's like a river cop, so he's just like he's still in the force because no one can ever get I knew fired there was from being a police boats. officer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's totally Nightboat from The Simpsons, where it's like, there's always a fjord, this is striking distance. Um, and he goes to, he, he's like a drunk and stuff, and so he goes to work, and then he finds out he has a new partner, and it's a lady, and it's Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, so then he gets a weird call, and it's this it, this person, he never believed that the person they arrested that for this all of these serial killings was the real person. And then... Someone calls him and it's the same MO as that was happening two years ago. And oh, my God, maybe they really didn't address the right person. Of course they didn't. So it picks up from there. And it's it's really stupid, but it was very enjoyable. So that was that was a fun way to spend a couple of hours. 
hours watching Bruce Willis and his weird weave. That is striking distance, uh, and it's available via Stars. Uh, it might not be anymore. I don't remember how long ago <laughs> I recorded it. I looked it. I looked it up, but I think it's available via, via Stars. Okay. You, you know what is so weird to me about the Bruce Willis? Like, I don't know if you guys ever think about this, but here's I think about this all the time, mm-hmm. which is. Bruce Willis never needs to work another day for the rest of his life. Right? His, his net worth is in the hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Yeah. And I don't, by all accounts, I don't think he's living a life like uh, Johnny Depp or whatever, where he has like a whole team of people. And, he, he, you know, Johnny Depp's burn rate is like extremely high. And I don't yeah. know that Bruce Willis's burn rate is that high. No. At the same time that that is true, uh, Bruce Willis is starring in movies that are like all straight to DVD. Right, yeah. like also seemingly appreciate his time. Yeah, also seemingly hates making movies. <laughs> yes, like he doesn't appear to enjoy. It. So you, you talk about movies like Cosmic Sin, Breach, uh, Hard Kill, Survive the Night. Uh, yet those are all actually Love these titles. F- that's four different films. Maybe, maybe it's the cost of his uh, like Twilight Zone deal he had to make. You know, you will become a movie star right. until you hate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like why. And the thing is, until that point, he had a, like a, a fairly decent legacy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in th- until the last like five, ten years, he had a fairly de- decent legacy. He was in, uh, he was in, you know, all the die the Die Hard movies, probably his most famous one. But like, mm-hmm. he had some other genuinely great films. He was um, in Wes Tw- Anderson movies, you know, yeah, Twelve yeah. Monkeys, you know, yeah. like Sin City. I thought he was even pretty solid. And sure, uh, and but then then like why? keep making movies if you don't enjoy it um oh split he also did a good job in split and the uh and glass right but oh and like, loop looper also yeah, and looper, those right? are the, so yeah, like the outliers looper's the last great one but yeah. then he's made like a string of movies that it's just like why are why are you doing this dude like yeah. why why uh kind of sully your legacy if you don't have to i just i i just don't i don't understand it you know i mean I i'll say it. this He's he has a new wife and they have a kid. N- hear me out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this weird no, thing I happened. Hear I hear you right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this weird thing happened with the at the beginning of the pandemic where like Demi Moore and a bunch of their kids together all went to the house that they have in Idaho, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then he went with them, even though he has this other family. And it's like, what is going on here? So I don't know. Like, maybe he works all the time because he married this woman and he hates her. I don't know. I mean, don't, I don't quote know. me wow. on this, but I just uh, support all the kids. I don't. Yeah, support, let's, yeah <laughs> that's know. pretty. I wouldn't speculate that way. I said maybe. That's a that's a bit harsh, Tara. All I was saying was he's destroying his own legacy. OK, yeah. well, um, anyway, <laughs> that's striking distance. Yeah, it's apparently quite good. Yeah. Anything else you've been watching, Tara? Yeah, so then we also watched The Poseidon Adventure from 1972, which is a classic disaster film. And uh, it it's, it sags a little. I mean, considering it's under two hours, it feels very slow. Oh, by, I would by have never standards. guessed it was under two hours because I remember seeing I, that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> It's, it, but yet it is. Um, it's just, it's a lot of set pieces of like, we have to get from here to here. Now we have to get from here to here. And it's like... I mean, you know, everyone knows the story. That everyone knows what the Poseidon Adventure is about, right? Do I have to say? Well, why don't you give us a yeah? yeah. Okay, give, give us a one or two sentence recap, Tara, as you right. want well, to do. <laughs> Poseidon is a it's a cruise ship. They're going from New York to Athens, I think. I already it doesn't matter because they don't make it. But <laughs> spoiler, 
Um, there <laughs> on New Year's Eve, they there's a huge wave, and the new owner of this ship is like making the captain played by Leslie Nielsen before he started doing comedies all the time is making him pilot it in a very unsafe way. And so they get they get wrecked by this wave and it turns the ship completely over. So in order to have any chance of survival, people have to like try and basically climb to the bottom of the ship, which is going to be the top because it turned all the way over. And so Gene Hackman plays this kind of renegade, like hippie minister. And he's his his brand of Christianity is like God helps those who help themselves. So he's he uh, leads a bunch of the hardier guests at this, you know, the big banquet hall where everything happens to try to like make it through um, through the ship rather than just stay in the in the ballroom and wait to be rescued. And so we watch them like basically crawl through all these different parts of the ship and peril happens and some of them make it and some of them don't. And so we we try to predict at the beginning are like, okay, once we've met all of the characters, who's going to make it and who's not? And we were like right on one and wrong about everybody else. So it was like, you know, unpredictable in that respect. But uh, yeah, it was a little bit slow. It's like some, it's, it's a lot of the same, like, okay, now we have to crawl through this tunnels like no i can't i can't possibly do it it's like get on with it like well then you live in the ship like let's go you know one of the one of the survivors is um the singer who sings the famous like there's got to be a morning after song the song from the movie and uh, she is the most annoying one we're also supposed to think that she and red buttons are like gonna be an item even though he's like definitely in his late 60s and like super coded gay which is weird <laughs> like right. why are you making this love story happen she's like 23 it's very strange but uh yeah another i mean it's a classic for a reason <laughs> so now that we've watched that we've also watched the towering inferno so next on our list earthquake. is uh probably airport and earthquake have you seen poseidon the remake no, but I'm definitely interested in it because I've seen the, the cast uh, and it's like, this Andre is a lot Brower of who it? you want versus who you get. <laughs> like, none of the people in this cast is anyone's <laughs> first choice. Uh, is he in that? I, the, the thing I remember about Poseidon was uh, Richard Dreyfus is the one in that. And uh-huh. uh, at a press junket, someone asked him, so what drew you to the role? And without missing a beat, he says, the money. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, Gene Hackman is giving off those vibes the entire good, time. <laughs> good, uh, good uh, answer to give for a job interview too. By the way, if you yeah. ever have a job interview, if that's what you should say. I'm really interested in that. Um, so uh, I still can't to this moment tell whether you enjoyed this movie, Tara. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad to have seen it. If I'd seen it in the theater, I probably would have been annoyed because it was pretty slow. But, you know, watching it at home where you can like flip through a magazine in the more boring parts, it was a fine way to spend one hour and 57 yeah. minutes Hear, hearing about this just makes me want to rewatch uh daylight this, this uh-huh. yeah yeah that was good that was a good underrated movie. film yeah underrated film it, it, it did not do well i think when it when it first came out but uh pretty cool i enjoyed that movie yeah, enjoyed yeah. The movie, daylight i so. saw that yeah, the theater. 90s output of sylvester stallone is underrated we watched cliffhanger quite recently and that one's pretty good too <laughs> <laughs> uh where did you stream the poseidon adventure tara well, we didn't. That was a Cinemax joint, so we just watched that straight off the old DVR. Damn. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is what we have been watching this week. Hey, it's Jeff. I'm here to tell you about our sponsor, Headspace. 
Man, wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep or focus or act or be better? There is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I'm telling you, I've gone through a lot of stress lately between surgeries and bad news and, oh yeah, a global pandemic. There's been a lot to be stressed out about. And I have found solace in mindfulness and meditation. And Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Are you overwhelmed? I am. Headspace has three-minute SOS meditation for you. Do you need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. For me, it has been a wonderful relaxation technique and a way to learn how to meditate. I was always intimidated by the prospect of getting into meditation And it's lovely to have something that guides me step-by-step along the way. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you, on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash filmcast. That's headspace.com slash filmcast for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head over to headspace.com slash filmcast. H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, folks, let's get to uh, weekly plugs. Mm-hmm. This is weird. I want them to be super excited. Rods, reels, and romance. So good. We're texting each other furiously. I love that you did that. Unsolicited. Let me tell you. I think in a way, it takes a lot to get us to furiously text. So good. Unsolicited. All over the place. So good. So good. Let the internet have its way. Plugs. Plugs. I think we should cut that down. We might cut it down. Oh, I cut it. I was so sure. So Oof. Yeah, uh, well, that's our weekly plugs. It's been a while since I played that remix on the air, and uh, wow, I, I feel like it's that rare piece of music that gets less comprehensible over time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, appreciate it, Noah Ross and Thomas Medina for supplying the pieces for that. Uh, weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something we made or uh, that someone else made that we really enjoyed. I will plug uh, on Culturally Relevant, the podcast. I've been doing this series uh, one year in the Seattle pandemic where I've interviewed a bunch of people who live around Seattle and uh, what their experience has been like in their industry uh, over the course of last year. This week, I interviewed Megan Griffiths, a local filmmaker, very talented. She's directed a lot of TV and film, and it was a very uh, moving conversation, and I would recommend you check it out. She talks about how the film industry changed and all the new protocols and all the implications of that. So check that out on Culturally Relevant. Devinder Hardwar, uh, your weekly plug. 
Oh, I reviewed the Surface Laptop 4 over at Engadget, the 15-inch version. So, you know, I talked about one of my favorite gaming laptops of the year, the Asus G15, the other week. So this is more of a mainstream ultra-portable, but I really dug it despite it looking exactly like like the last few Surface laptops. I kind of want them to change things up. I've played around with the Surface yeah. uh, Laptop 3 before, and it's a, it's a beautiful device. Beautiful, 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 beautiful Terrible device. battery life, but very nice-looking computer. <laughs> this one actually has good battery life, is actually pretty powerful. Like, it is exactly the same case-wise. It, it just has better internal. So I dug it, gave it a pretty good score. So check out my review and gadget. We also have a video up on YouTube. All right, that's Devinger Surface Laptop 4 review. Tara, what's your weekly plug? Uh, I will plug our most recent episode of Extra Hot Great, where we talked about your chosen show, David, Couples Therapy. Uh, Our guest was Catherine Van Arendonk from Vulture, and uh, we had a great time talking about that and several other shows as well. Danish Syed, your weekly plug? Uh, yeah, you should check out our my podcast, Someone Should Make This. Uh, me and a few other game developers get together every week, and we come up with uh, silly video game ideas, but then we... Uh, give it a real critical eye and actually talk it through to its logical conclusion and uh, <laughs> hilarity ensues. And uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a fun time. All right. That's uh, someone should make this extra great podcast. Check those weekly plugs out. All right, folks, let's get to our review of mortal Kombat. First learned about this seven years ago on a mission in Brazil to capture a wanted fugitive. When we got there, it tore through our unit in seconds. The target has superhuman abilities. It had the same marking you do, Cole. It's a birthmark. What do you mean? He was born with it. It's not a birthmark, Cole. It means you've been chosen. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking, I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. As Mortal Kombat. That was from the trailer for Mortal Kombat, a newest film streaming right now on HBO Max. And it was directed by Simon McQuad? McQuaid, I think. McQuaid? Sorry, I'm not sure exactly McQuaid? how to pronounce. McQuaid? Mm. Anyway, uh, the plot summary from IMDb is as follows. MMA fighter Cole Young. <laughs> this is why I was laughing during the pre... You know, I was like, yeah, this is yeah. the plot summary? MMA fighter character in Mortal Kombat. MMA fighter Cole Young seeks out Earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of Outworld in a high-stakes battle for the universe, end quote. Also, no, he doesn't. (laughs) 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 That makes it seem like he's the prime mover, which he's really not. Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, Danny Syed, I want to start with you, because as you mentioned, you worked at a game studio, and for many, many years, you helped to create Mortal Kombat games. So you are one of the foremost experts in the world on Mortal Kombat, (laughs) right? Jeez, I guess. What was your... What was your uh, sort of anticipation going into this movie, Mortal Kombat on HBO Max? Like, was there something that you were like, if this movie delivers X, I'm going to be happy with it? Um, (laughs) That's a a tough question. I I had low expectations because I had heard rumblings from people who were familiar with the script and people who had seen certain things that it, it wasn't 
going to be great. Um, but I still held out some hope because, you know, those people in question, which I'm not naming, uh, were very close to Mortal Kombat, not necessarily in the studio, but just like in terms of being a fan. And so it's kind of a hard thing to judge in terms of like, well, do you not like it because it is disrespectful to the lore or because they change things? Or, you know, I think the way a fan reacts to something is sometimes, you know, not very objective. Uh, so I was going right. in skeptical, but still hoping, you know, holding out hope. Um, well, they also like pushed the release date of Mortal Kombat like very recently, which is, it just makes me like, I, I think as of January of this year, we didn't even know that this movie ex- existed, right? Like the trailer hadn't come out yet as far as I know. And basically what I'm trying to say is from a, from a PR perspective, uh, it felt like they were putting this movie together really, really rapidly in the first quarter of 2021. Like it, it felt like this, they barely finished this movie. I don't know if that's actually true, um, but it felt like it because they, they pushed the release date like by a week a month ago. So it's just like, it's just usually not something that happens. They usually push release dates like, um, especially for something like this is premiere on HBO Max. They usually have the release date baked in for a while. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea about that. I do know that they claimed it was the uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. They wanted to make room for that. It was the reason why they pushed it. But I, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, yeah. But the movie's here. And yeah. So what do you think of it? Well, Dave, I think my thoughts on Mortal Kombat <laughs> are best subbed up in the form of a haiku. Wow. Ah, okay. okay. Mixing it up. Action without stakes. Narrative without logic. Costume pageantry. It's beautiful, Danish. It's beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Um, so, like I said, I, I had low expectations going in, and I have to say, I quite enjoyed the first half of this movie. I thought the opening scene was actually quite well done, and um, the kind of uh, manifestation or the the, the interpretation of Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and Kano, which we'll get to later, uh, was ac- excellent. I absolutely love the casting. I love the look of it. I love the, the actors were phenomenal in those roles. Um, so it was off to a good start. Uh, then you introduce Cole, which, you know, a lot of people kind of were down on the idea of making up a character uh, for the movie as your way, as the audience surrogate. I actually did not have a problem with that, just in theory. Um because uh, yeah, for people who don't know, that's not a Mortal Kombat character, and uh, so it was. I was going along with it. It was okay. Uh, you meet Scorp- you Sorry, you meet uh, Kano, and I think the kind of movie comes alive a little bit. He's uh, really funny. You know, great one-liners, great ad lib sort of stuff. Um, but then about the halfway point, there's cer- certain things start to happen, which I don't know. Maybe are spoilers, but uh, it starts to get bogged down, and then uh, there's a very there's a very specific point that is definitely a spoiler where the movie completely lost me. And uh, I thought the final uh, act was terrible, like a total mess. Um, But so overall I I didn't like it, um, but there are a number of things that I think are pretty good in it. Uh huh. And should we wait until spoilers to get into those? Uh, Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we could talk, there's more stuff I can say generally, but that's good for now. All right, Tara Ariano, uh, I did not expect you to watch this movie at all. Um, are you are you a Mortal Kombat fan? Like, why did you? Why were you motivated to watch this? 
First of all, I'm insulted. Second, um, <laughs> no, I'm not a Mortal Kombat fan, and I never played <laughs> okay. the game. But uh, I did. I was a big Tekken person back in the day, mm. um, and I like fighting movies. I like violence. Um, <laughs> I was. Su- I, I choose violence. Yeah. <laughs> I was super here for the opening scene where people were getting like swords, you know, stabbed into the top of their heads. Like this is this is what I want yes. in a movie like this. Um, and, but I I agree with Danish that it's like it completely falls apart and lost me by the end. I couldn't remember who like whose powers were what, and I didn't care either. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole the whole business where um, like people were <laughs> figuring out uh. God, what is it called in the, the lore? Their arcana, arcane, which, arcana, which is a movie invention, by the way. Okay. Yeah. The, that's very funny because there's an episode of Futurama where um, the the Harlem Globetrotters come on Earth mm-hmm. from, from the home trotter, the Globetrotter homeworld, mm-hmm. yeah. of course. And um, Professor Farnsworth creates a bunch of um, like clones that he's going to grow up super fast to like be really good at basketball. And then they all have... <laughs> like individual powers once they get to be full size <laughs> that are that no one knows what they are like one has a cannon in his chest that shoots basketballs <laughs> and one is like super duper tall and like when all of them were getting these powers I was like it's just like that episode of Futurama which yes. is like probably not what they wanted me to think but it was um yeah it was it was a lot of nonsense and the fighting I felt like got worse it did get as the worse. movie went yes. on mm. it started off pretty good yeah Here's what I'll say without revealing any spoilers. All the Sub-Zero Scorpion stuff was excellent, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So I, I loved it anyway. But yes, yeah, Tara, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, that's fine. We can we can save the rest for the spoiler zone. It was like, it it, it definitely was the kind of thing where it had me and it lost me. Mm. Devinder Hardwar, your thoughts on Mortal Kombat? Well, you know what? I think uh, I think I'm a little more positive than you guys, but I will say, yeah, the strongest part of this movie is definitely the first half. You got a great introduction to uh, to the characters behind, you know, Scorpion and Sub Zero. I love I love the opening scene. I think a lot of the early choreography is really, really good. The only like immediately apparent problem is this is one of those movies that doesn't know how to like hold a damn shot because mm-hmm. right they're doing all mm-hmm. this cool stuff. And it's like uh, cut, cut yes. every every quarter second, cut, 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 cut. Not only, I cannot see what these people are doing. But go ahead. Uh, not only that, but I, there's there's editing issues all throughout the movie that, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of speculating. I don't know, but it really feels like they did not have enough coverage, and they had yeah, to work yeah. with the sh- the mm-hmm. film that they had because there's stuff that just does not cut together. And yeah, it's it's the editing was not great. Yep, agreed. Agreed. Like there, there's. We'll talk about this in spoilers, I think. But yeah, the uh, some of the last act stuff is just like them, just like listing off other characters they get to fight, and it's like there's no real <laughs> connective tissue to yeah. to those things. Um, yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like overall, I still I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think just because I like so much of the cast. I love I love Joe Teslim. He's awesome. And him as yes. him as Sub Zero as just sort of like the freaking Jason Voorhees. Of this universe, and they do so much cool stuff with Sub Zero. Like every set piece, every fight is kind of cool. You got the you got the blood knife. You got him like uh, I believe it was like through a rainy sequence where he just turned all the water in the air. You know, was just crashing it down. I think there's some like interesting set pieces here too. Um, and I, this is a stacked cast, guys. Like I've watched a lot of samurai movies. Right, this movie mm-hmm. has Tadanobu Asano. This movie has Hiroki Sanada. It has a ton of people that I really enjoy seeing. And I enjoy Louis Stan too. So I don't care about Cole. 
but I really like Lewis Town. So right. I'm 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 totally yeah, down I, with him too. That's the big bummer is I like all these actors and mm-hmm. I and Lewis Tan is cool and it's it's great to see a uh, uh an Asian person kicking ass in the lead role of a For movie. Sure. Several. Several. Se- yeah. yeah, several. This and is so a much- series that is, you know, that lifts so much from Asian cultures, you know, and, yeah. and Bloodsport. So it is it is really fun to see like a lot of Asian representation here. One of the writers also, you know, a very prolific Asian writer. Um, so there's stuff I want to see here, but watching this movie, I just kind of, I, I kind of wish like maybe, uh, maybe somebody with like a more deft action hand was directing like, uh, like who I'm thinking of, like, you know, there, there's so many great actors. Gareth, uh, Gareth, uh, Evans, Gareth Evans, but I mean, also like Timo Trejanto, you know, yeah. there's a ton of like great directors out there who know how to do the super brutal, well done action, well choreographed, like well cut together. This movie just doesn't quite have that, but I still had a lot of fun with it. Like, here's the thing. Like I'm not, I'm not expecting much from a Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, you know? I wasn't either. <laughs> I didn't either. Very much. <laughs> and I kind of, I, I like that it leans into a certain amount of cheese. This movie would have been better if it leaned into more cheese. I think like the original. Um, not sure. Like this movie doesn't have any of the like iconic pop culture, you know, defining soundtrack or anything like the like the first movie. Right. But I, I think there's some like great visuals. I like the fights. I like a lot of the action and even like the, the stuff towards the end, which is just messier in general. Um, but yeah, this movie shouldn't be close to two hours long. I feel like that also kills it. This should be like a 90 minute. You're in and out type yeah. of thing. I don't care that there's no actual tournament. Okay. I've seen a lot of tournament movies. I, I know what that's like. I have a lot to say um, about that specific issue as yeah. well, but go on. Yeah. yeah. But I can, right. I can see why it can bother people. I, I think as a setup, for maybe uh, a Mortal Kombat universe, because we'll probably see more of these, mm-hmm. where you'll actually see the tournament and everything. I'm I'm into where they're going. I just think they got to tighten it up. I'm down for more. Yeah. Yeah. Even though sure. I didn't like two, this, I'm down for more. Two two <laughs> things before we get into the spoiler zone, if we're getting close to it. Uh, yep. Suggestion for another director. Um, Rowdy Harrington. Hello. He's still alive. <laughs> He's right there. Um <laughs> And second, I also love Joe Taslow, and I was, which is why I was sorry that his face was behind a mask. His beautiful face, <laughs> the yeah. entire beautiful. movie. At least give us the eyebrows. Just leave the yeah. eyebrows open, you know. I mean, yeah. it, like it's something where he he we got to see more of him. Like honestly, any of the other parts because yeah. that was yeah. he was he was good, but it was just a bummer that so much of his charisma was. You mm-hmm. know, Have you seen uh, the Raid movies and of the, the Night Comes for Us? Night comes yes. for us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's he's incredible in that movie. Um, yeah. How, how weird but is it? Great that, in the first season of Warrior too. Yeah, yeah. How weird yeah, is it ahead. that The Night Comes for Us is a bloodier movie than Mortal Kombat? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought this movie was yeah, actually yeah. cut, except for one cool kill uh, halfway through. I thought this movie was kind of tame. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. They mm. they swear a lot, but that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they use the f word. No, I think there's there's enough blood, but I agree. It it's certainly nowhere near as gory as the stuff that Danish helped to make. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> when he was making the video, we we, we are in the age of the ultra violent action movie. Like between the raid movies and you know recent things like Nobody and everything Timo's doing, you right. know, it's just it's you it's gotta, weird. Yeah, you're right. gotta be more. Mortal yeah, Kombat. you're right. It, it's weird that there's a Mortal Kombat movie that's less violent than those movies. Like less violent than you know <laughs> than John Wick or Nobody or yes. yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That is very odd. That is very odd. Okay, there's uh, uh, there's a couple more things yeah. I want to say before we get to spoilers that, I, that that aren't really spoilers um okay the one thing they changed which i thought was kind of cool i was skeptical at first is the whole dragon marking premise uh that's not <laughs> in the game at all like basically the, the 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 whole concept of this is like earth has to choose its greatest warriors to fight in this tournament whatever 
So how those are how those warriors are chosen was never really explored. And I think basically what it was is Raiden just goes and finds them. So I kind of like this idea of the dragon marking mm-hmm. almost like a Highlander-esque, like yeah, you take yeah. it from sure. someone. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. And, cool. It gives Sonia some pathos where she like she doesn't have it. Oh, and she, I, she's like, oh yeah, man, I have yeah. a lot to say about that. Um, yep. But yeah, so I like that idea. It's kind of, kind of cool. Um, the other thing I liked uh, about the tournament thing is that I, it didn't bother me that there was no tournament um, because I, at the beginning of it, it's almost set up like a Terminator movie where it's like, let's kill these champions before the tournament because we're going to cheat. And so it's sort of this like cool, like assassin cat and mouse thing, which I was like really excited. Like, oh, wow, that's that's a great idea. Mortal Kombat by way of Terminator. They don't really stick with that for very long. And so which was kind of disappointing because I think that was kind of the coolest stuff when they're sending Sub-Zero, by the way, who who is a terrible assassin. Like he's he's rolling up on Cole in the diner. Uh, instead of just like sneaking up and killing him, he's like yeah. so <laughs> extravagant about his yeah. making it snow backwards and all this sort of stuff. It's like, <laughs> cool. All right. I mean, that's great. You're, you're a badass, but like your goal is to kill this guy, not make him run away from you. You got these powers. You got to use them. You know, <laughs> it's a lot of drama. And then also when he, uh, th- this is early on, so I'm not going to consider it a spoiler, but when he fights Jax, uh, again, terrible assassin, you don't confirm the kill and you just walk away. So again, uh, but um, <laughs> he's like, man, I just took that guy's arms, you know, right. uh, uh, I'm good. Yeah. So anyway, those changes, I actually didn't mind that the, the part where the tur- the lack of tournament comes in is the fights themselves, which we'll get into. All right. Well, why don't we dive into spoilers for Mortal Kombat starting right now? Now you're looking for the secret. You're going to see this coming. No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. So I'm just going to say that I thought 70% of the references to Mortal Kombat in this movie were great. Like <laughs> Mortal Kombat the game, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I'll throw out a, I'll throw out a handful. Um, probably my favorite one was uh, Liu Kang sweeping yes. the guy's leg. Yes. Great. Which is like, yes. if you've ever played Mortal Kombat the video game, is the cheapest move you can do yeah. in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> And uh, it's always just like is infuriating when it's someone like, come does on, that man, move. Don't you have any other moves? I've said that literal, yeah. you know, right. And they people. show Liu Kang the character doing it, and it's hilarious. It's hilarious. And the thing is, I, I I don't know that it doesn't like maybe it doesn't work if you haven't played the game, but <laughs> it doesn't feel like it sticks out like no, a sort of thumb. It's just like hey, if you played the video game, this yeah. is a nice little Easter egg for you, you know. I'll, and I like that a lot of them were like that. Now, not all of them. Some of them were just like so and so saying fatality for no reason, and it's like okay, <laughs> right. that's lame. I will but say that when it, it's or, yeah, yeah go ahead. no other I have to give it extra credit for the sweep thing, because if you think about any extra any like reference, you know, it is always the latter. It's always the the guy saying the line or a, mm-hmm. uh, right. a, a name drop of some obscure character, which, like you said, this movie does, too. I can't think of any other video game movie that references the gameplay of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and there's uh, without without drawing attention to yeah. it, right? right. I, th- like, I remember, think we're um, missing the uh, the super boots in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Remember uh, in uh, Assassin's Creed the movie, there was that moment when she's like, when Marion Cotillard is like the leap of faith, you know, and it's like re- referencing directly the thing from the yeah. game. Well, I, I remember. Uh, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say to be more specific uh, about gameplay. I mean, like player behavior. 
That's like yes. that, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. not even a not even a game mechanic, right. just like a, a something yeah. that players do. Yeah. yeah. It's it's funny how it works in video game movies. I remember in the Street Fighter movie, which is a terrible movie, but uh but fun to watch yeah. because Raul Julia. Um there's a moment in like a Ken Ryu fight where they just like make a hand motion of a fireball and the screen just flashes white. Because they didn't have money for anything. <laughs> and you just assume there was a fireball there. It's, it's little things like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. There were a couple of shots where, where you could see from very, like they were, the camera was really far back and you could see both of the combatants like getting ready to square off in perfect profile where yeah, it's like, oh, cool. it's just like when a game is start, when you're yeah, starting around. Yeah. I have to Not say, enough by the way, that. overall the video, the movie looked pretty good. Looks I have good. To say. I agree. Like, Until the is, action. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's well shot. So, it felt to me like this movie cut out all of the connective material. Yeah. Right. Like once, once they get to the secret layer with the arcana stuff, like it just feels like stuff is just happening. Kano's with them. Then he's not with them. People show up, characters show up, then they start fighting. I agree. You know, it, it just, it just mm-hmm. completely falls apart as a, as a plot at that point. Sure, I, I would, agree. I would be I just, yeah, way harsher on the movie. Uh, if I hadn't just, witness the Snyder cut, you know, like, I mean, honestly, like, you know, it's kind of like, I don't, who's, who's to blame. It's like, mm-hmm. it, is it a bad writer? Probably not. Is it a bad director? Maybe, maybe not. It, it might just be, Hey, you know, studio mandate. It's Warner brothers right. after all. I don't work this I, under two hours. I don't work for yeah. them anymore. So I could say that they suck at this. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. On the record. Yeah. Uh, of like, you know, butting in and making, so, yeah, I, I wish, you know, I hate kind of like shitting on a movie like this, but I, I really do think it's not necessarily uh, maybe what they intended, because I, I totally mm-hmm, agree. Mm-hmm. It's stuff just does not add up. I'm, I'm sure there there must be longer cut out there, but I have to say a couple of like the things that kept me going in this movie is just like seeing these iconic characters just kind of just kind of like interact with each other. Like, I, I like this Luke Kang. He's just kind of like the know-it-all monk. He's not the introduction to the series because that's uh, that's Cole's job. And Max Huang as Kung Lao, fantastic, fantastic. Because he is a guy who knows his one thing is he has a very cool hat that spins <laughs> like a blade, and he really lives it up. Like that is a man mm-hmm. who knows he has a good hat. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of the problems of the movie, though. Is I think that the different actors almost all feel like they're in different movies. Oh yeah, like yeah. Liu yes. Kang is playing it completely straight. Well, he also is Scorpion. Take, Taken yeah, everything yeah. deadly seriously. Oh yeah, also Scorpion as well, right? And uh, and then there's other actors like Jessam, Jessica McNamee who plays Sonya Blade, who I feel like is kind of like knows that she's in a cheesy movie. That's kind of oh, like yeah. my reaction to her. It performance almost feels like she's doing the Sonya from the first Mortal Kombat movie. Like that is the <laughs> vibe I'm getting. Yeah. yeah, and then Kano is just he's like just like a. Com- like you know, here for a good time. Comedic relief commentator, basically. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no character there. With, with the sort of like worst put downs too. You know, uh, it's like just like some of them are pretty timely lame. references, such as Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry <Yeah>. Potter. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, it, it did feel a little weird. Like not everyone I felt committed to the bit. You know, like some people were kind of like in quote unquote in on the joke, and yeah. I thought that made for a little unwieldy uh, stuff. It would have been a lot more it, fun if every if like. I think there was a more like defining thing. It was like, yeah, this is all kind of silly guys. And I don't know if the first movie quite did that, but I think the combination of early, like the 90s stuff, like 90s special effects, that amazing soundtrack, that Mortal Kombat soundtrack is in my DNA guys. Like I spent <laughs> years of my life doing, right. uh, doing martial arts 
And a lot of times, like the uh, the background music for training and for shows and whatnot was the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Aww. I think here's what we're learning is Devendra basically went out and tried to live the life of people in the movies between I mean, didn't we all? St- between didn't we street all? hockey and the martial arts. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was great. Uh, but yeah, I I agree that at the end of the day, you know, this movie has great fight scenes. I love the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. I love the way like Scorpion's ability is manifested and the hook with the thing and the rope and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if I like this movie more than the old one, right? Than the, right. what is it, 1995? Yeah, yeah. But just because that one is so iconic in some ways. Like, in some ways. Uh, Even though every fight scene is terrible. Like there's, yes, there's they no are. good choreography The fight scenes in that movie. are way worse. They're <laughs> way, way worse. But uh, Johnny Cage is in the movie, you know? And, and like, you're not focusing on some, like, again, Louis Tan is great, but I think it was a fairly rough decision to make Cole Young the focus of this movie. He's the least interesting character and also his outfit is bad oh, yeah. in my opinion like it just i'm sure people worked really hard and on his that power and, sucks all right let's a, yeah, like, you you got, let's talk about arms. this let's talk about the yeah. arcana in general okay <laughs> yeah. yeah uh i okay i'm actually fine with the general idea because you have uh guys coming into this training this temple to train uh they have to fight off these crazy you know monsters and this tournament uh re- you know you can't train to be better fighters in the short amount of time it takes you know decades to train to be what they need to be so what do they do they have to focus on this mystical aspect fine makes perfect sense for this movie um unlocking your abilities okay sure why not uh like kano like the i thought it was actually a pretty decent scene where they get a rise out of kano and he suddenly like he's saying yeah, like yeah. when am i going to get my powers Ooh, is it going to be this is it going to be that like i thought that was a pretty <laughs> good running gag and then when he gets lasers he's like lasers it's better than fire you know it's like laser eyes yeah. so all that stuff is great <laughs> the problem is that uh none of it makes any sense in terms of what they need to do to get it and why they get the powers they do. Uh, the second one I can forgive, like whatever it's random. They just get, get a, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, Mario Kart question block and you get whatever power this, you this want. This is a series with like old gods, you know, as part yeah. of everything. Like it, it's the gods, the sure. gods did it. Whatever. Right. But, yeah. but the thing yeah. that really bothers me is why, like, because then you're talking about character arcs. It's like, okay, the Kano example is like, it doesn't make sense. Who cares? Like you have to get mad. All right, fine. He gets mad and he does it. But like, no. When you're dealing with, you know, Sonya or um, Cole or whoever, like, mm-hmm. what is the actual arc of the character? Uh, Cole's arc is that he gets his ass kicked all the time, and so <laughs> his power is getting his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he ends up getting a Black Panther suit. Yeah, uh, Black Panther suit. He can yeah. absorb blows Again, and stuff, right? Yeah. I think that's kind of funny, actually, and I kind of like mm-hmm. it. But why does he get it? What did he do? What did he learn? What did he achieve to unlock it? I think that's really important if you're trying to make any of this actually have any weight to it. You know, why does Sonya's arc real quick, like uh, Devinder, you were talking about how that's actually kind of an interesting pathos thing to it. I agree. It was set up very well where it's like, you don't have the mark. You're not worthy, even though obviously she is worthy because she can take down Kano like she displayed like quickly, you know, in the desert, but she doesn't kill him. And uh, so she's kind of this outcast. She's looked down upon. So I'm like, oh, this is good. She's going to prove to them that she's worthy without the mark. That's going to be this great, like, I'll show them moment. But what does she prove? That they were right. <laughs> yeah, That's ridiculous. Uh, she doesn't, it's like the way she gets her powers by killing Kano. So it's like, okay, I guess. Is that what the big problem was? That you couldn't kill people? 
uh, I don't know. That, that stuff just yeah. doesn't this, make this sense. This is Highlander universe. Like, I'm going by Highlander rules here. You know, it's like, it does. Kano sucks. You know, he's a fun part <laughs> of the movie, but as a, as a person, sure. you know, as, as somebody, you don't want him as a hero of Earth. I really like their fight scene, by the way. Like, just the complete destruction of that little that little oh, mobile house. What's funny, yeah. though, is like, again, they set up something with a great payoff, and they don't do it. Like, so yeah. he, he has the eye laser, and then she tosses, like, alcohol on his face. And as soon as she did it, I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Next time he eye lasers, he's going to set his head on fire. No, it short no. circuits his chi. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, and then like, uh, oh my God. The, 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 so all of that, like all of this stuff is like, while I'm getting lost by this movie, like at a rapid right. rate, like uh, all yeah. of stuff is happening very quickly, very quickly <laughs> losing me. The, I think by the, in the third act, it's just like, we are, we are just juggling multiple fights at this well, point. Like all at the That's same time. That's the other problem. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I have hold on. I haven't finished my first problem. I'll get to that second problem in a second. Um, so okay, even the coal thing. Okay, he grows this magical suit. Fine, I guess he has these weird mystical like tonfa blade things. Fine. When Jax like grows metal arms, what? Like, is his Arcana yeah. like nano machines? I just don't understand yeah. this. It's like, what would have happened if he didn't? get his arms ripped off. Like what would his yeah, arc kind of have exactly. been in that situation? Well, forearms like Goro, obviously, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is like, uh, this is like in, in, the uh, last Jedi when, uh, Luke disappears, right. Even though he has a synthetic arm. So like, is the, is the synthetic arm <laughs> part of him now? Right. Do you know what I mean? Uh, or why didn't we see a synthetic arm, like hit clang onto the floor after he vanishes, <laughs> you know? Anyway, all good, sorry, go all ahead. All good questions, Dave. I know. Um, I know it's a good question. Okay, go on ahead. On to the second thing, the, the the whole cut together aspect. I think that the Arcana stuff is what lost me, but what really like annoyed me was uh, the fact that the final like act, the final sort of like kick-ass moment, like, all right, we're going to take the fight to them. That was uh, just a big mishmash montage of these fights. Yes. Like constantly cutting back and forth. Like, yeah. why? That's That's where I was getting with like, I didn't care that they didn't have a tournament, but what the tournament affords you is a pre-game, a game, and a post-game, like the Mighty Ducks might do, for example. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and you're asking for the Mortal, Co- the Mighty Ducks of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, movies. well, that's what I was getting yeah. at early on. It was like <laughs> this movie kind of needed to be more cliched. They needed to actually do yeah. those things where, because yeah. like we don't care about cliches. The first scene is like the most cliche scene ever. Your family gets wiped yes. out. You hide the baby. We've seen that you, a billion you times. Fridge two people, literally, in the family immediately. <laughs> yeah, fridge them. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So yeah, that's cliche, but who cares? Because you know we're there for the action. But that's something you could hinge it on whereas it's missing that completely and so yeah the the fact that the fights were cut up and like you couldn't focus on one at a time was the final straw mm-hmm. like uh, i just it ruined the movie that, for that me. to me feels like a real studio note too whereas like we mm-hmm. we don't need to go like explore them traveling to these things like we don't need any character work we just need need more fights and uh throw all the fights together blended up like uh you know maybe, maybe that's cool maybe that's edgy right you know, the kids like that I'm, cross-cutting i just yeah, couldn't you- understand why raiden was able to teleport people into fighting space, but couldn't teleport people like into outer space. Like, <laughs> why couldn't he just like teleport the enemies into like a volcano or whatever? He, he can't you know? interfere. All he could do he can, is oh, he uh, can't manipulate interfere. the he pieces. Can, he can they place people that, together. Yeah, yeah. Come on, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. in the text. But Shang Tsung can suck people's souls out. Like, what? What yeah. is? Yeah. What are the Shang rules here? Is what this I'm is, asking. Uh, <laughs> this is clearly an allegory for American politics. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, I will say, yeah, the that right final... don't have to follow any rules. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it it just had. I, I I so agree. It just it had no sense of geography. Like yeah, you had no yeah. sense of where you were when any of this was happening. And I'll just also say, as someone who very much enjoys fighting movies, but have watched way more dance movies. They are the same. Yeah, they're the like, same. Yeah, they're, they're the absolutely same. Absolutely the same. Yeah. They follow the same story beats for a reason because they work. And you would never have the climax of a dance movie be like crossing yes. between different dances. Thank you. You watch one at a time. Same with fights. Maybe yeah. you can get away with two. Like if you think about like a Fast yes. and Furious movie, yeah. there's usually like an A mm-hmm. fight and a B fight. Yeah, that works. Sure. But not like eight. <laughs> no. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, Agreed. One final. Uh, there's one thing I want yeah. to mention. Uh, actually, about the um, uh, my co-host Matt on the someone should make this podcast pointed this out, which I thought was brilliant. Much like the sweeping scene where players constantly sweep, uh, his take was mm-hmm. that Cole not blocking was also a player reference to players who don't mm. use the block button, which mm-hmm. I thought was actually if that's what mm. it is, which is very plausible since they put that sweeping thing in. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, pretty yeah. good. But again, at what cost? <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say about this movie is I felt pure joy at certain parts of this movie, which is not something I generally feel in these movies. And there's there's parts of this movie when they do the thing from the video game and I'm like watching the movie and I'm like jumping up and screaming and I'm like, that's the thing from the game, you know, like a like a kid, like when when Scorpion's like, get over here. And I'm like, that makes no sense that he's speaking English, but it's the thing from the game. <laughs> it's also not the same voice. Cause I think yeah, it was it's different, a different in voice the, coming in the out of his body, but whatever. Yeah. It's the thing from the game. And Oh, he got a hook. He, he put a little like uh, a spear head onto a rope and he's throwing it. It's the thing. From the, cool. It's the thing from the game, you know? And I don't know why, oh, like when that stuff happens for like simple Marvel pleasures. movies All we want and stuff, pleasures. like I yeah. look down on it, but for some reason, I was able to turn my brain off for this one and just be like, hey, uh, it's the thing from the game. And at the end of the day, isn't that what really we all were looking for? Yes. The answer is no. <laughs> the answer I mean, is if they're not going to do the least. thing from the game, <laughs> call it anything else, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I, I guess I'm just saying, like, it's it's very, like, uh, it's a very kind of, it activated a visceral pleasure center in my brain that I didn't even know was there, that I, oh, yeah. I didn't even know I would care, you know, that any of this stuff was referring to the game. But, uh, I, I, but I did. I want to say, I'll talk a little yeah. bit about the final, the final fight with Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, I think it's decent. I think it's also cut mm-hmm. not great. Um, yep. In fact, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, well, are you guys familiar with the special move from the game called the Ice Clone, where Sub-Zero makes like an, a clone of himself made out of ice to sort of like, you know, get out of the way? And Sure. Did you yeah. notice? Yeah, it's basically when he, he does the Ice Clone move in the, uh, in the fight, right? He does, but like it's blink and you miss it. It's so uh-huh. it's cut mm. so badly. It's mm. very weird. Um, you cannot appreciate the detail in his ice clone. Is not what at all. Say. You can you can appreciate yeah. a lot of detail in his his ground freeze, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, but again, no, there's like no build up and to, to a lot of these things. I just, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. At the same time, it's just like oh wow, like it's so you feel like these two dudes are really well matched and they have like completely different powers. And uh, I appreciated that. I mean, I, appreciate I, that. I guess if you really think about it. Fire can melt ice, and ice can't really do anything to fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could form icicles. I guess he could, he, 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 could, he could extinguish yeah. the fire. He could blow cold yeah. air. Um, yeah. Here's a question. Why did Scorpion come back? Because uh, Cole, uh, Cole helped him to 
uh, to free him, right? By yes. doing How? stuff. Think. I, I, I don't think. Something. I, I don't know. He called to his ancestors, as you do. I just yes. don't get it at all. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. something to do with the the like. Did Raiden give him the scorpion blade? Is that how like, and his blade got bloody or something? Or yes, like, yes, I think there there was something connected there. Yeah, yeah not explained. And so okay. so like when Scorpion comes back, I just didn't feel. I felt nothing mm-hmm. because it wasn't built yeah. up. It wasn't like okay. So wait yeah. till Scorpion okay, gets so, here. You know. So here here is the Wikipedia plot summary. Sub Zero appears having abducted Cole's family to lure him into a one on one fight. Initially overpowered. Cole's blood ends up on the kunai, releasing Hanzo ah. from the nether realm as the vengeful specter scorpion. But how would you know? That's all that? you gotta do invoke yeah. your ancestors. Yeah, and also again, I mean, it was, it's, I, the problem is with I, the build. I think up. you're putting way too much thought into this, Danish. <laughs> this kind of my feeling. This, this is a man who came back from a hell dimension. You know, it's like it, well, he's here now. Well, yeah. The thing is, like you, I, I, I don't, I don't have an answer to that because I knew, I knew going into this that. The, the the counter argument to all of my arguments would be it's a Mortal Kombat movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes. But I would say if you watch that animated movie, Scorpion's Revenge, all of these questions actually make sense. And it's a story that is well told with arcs, mm. setups, and payoffs. All I have to say is kids today are so spoiled. Okay. All we had, all we had was a was a animatic Goro and like '90s era CG, and you know we had a good soundtrack. That Goro was awesome. But like, yeah, and Goro Goro's great. The Goro in this movie was great. Yeah. It was, well, no, no, I think I, I think the the old the Goro old, is better. The old Goro is good. Puppet Goro. I mean, he. I like yeah. this Goro as well. I, I like this Goro. As well. I like this one too. But like, was he just hiding in a shed for like uh, hours? Everyone, everyone just like appeared. Like everyone's just sent. Right to the people they have to fight. Like there, there's no like good buildup. Speaking of like the the scorpion sub zero thing, like I was waiting for like a cool a cool moment. Yeah, you know, for scorpion to appear, and he just kind of just kind of shows up. And I do feel like if they had maybe more time to think about some of these things, like I, I am all for giving up on you know plot logic and things like that for the power of cool. You know, I think in some cases the power of cool is good enough for this movie. And then towards the end, not as much, you know, so I think that's a good way. Better it. I think that's a good way of putting mm-hmm. it. Cause there are a lot of people who like this movie and, uh, and I don't begrudge them that. And I think that if you, like you said, Dave, like if something, if it stirs something within you, that's, that's awesome. Uh, I think that's, it's worthy of that. Cause it does have cool moments. And if you can enjoy it, that's, that's great. You know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is our review of mortal Kombat streaming right now on HBO max. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, you can find more episodes of the show at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler booker comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube channel. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross, and it was, uh, it was remixed by Thomas Medina. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Uh, stay tuned on the Slash Filmcast After Dark over at patreon.com slash film podcast to hear our discussion of Falcon and Winter Soldier Season 1. Next week on the podcast, we'll be reviewing The Mitchells versus The Machines, which is a new movie coming out on Netflix. I've heard it's one of the greatest films of the year. I'm really excited. It's Lord Miller. It looks awesome. Yeah. Gotta Lord and Miller are uh, producing it. It was directed by Mike Rianda. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, supposed to be really great. So I am looking forward to chatting with, about it with you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Slash Filmcast. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad. It's the Slash Filmcast. For all the news and the movies coming out, because you know that it's the thing we're.
talking about?